Hey everybody, what's going on? My name is Pastor Keon Henderson and welcome to another episode of Take Action. I am actually enjoying myself conversing with you. I get all of your text messages and direct messages and all of the feedback about this growth journey. I just received a call right before I came in here uh, today from somebody that I love dearly who talked about what the word has been doing in their lives over the past few weeks. Now, if the word can touch people who are close to you, who know you, what more can it do for people who are distant from you? I am believing that this is a journey and I want you to be in a relaxed state. Listen, you've heard it. Rome wasn't built in a day and nobody wins a race with one step. You have to be okay with the process. You have to be okay knowing that it takes time. I talked to one of my daughters in the ministry and she shared with me, she said, what do I do next? And I said to her, take it one day at a time. That's all you have to do. Take it one day at a time. Don't frustrate yourself because you didn't wake up perfect. Only be frustrated if you woke up and you were not better. Today, I want to talk about something that I believe will be able to help you with where you are right now. There is no doubt that what I am getting ready to say will help you. The question is, is will you survive the process while we shadow box? I want you to let me know where you're from. Let me know where you're from in the United States of America, outside of the country. Let us know where you're from. We always want to connect with you. To all of our Lighthouse 2.0 members, we are appreciative of you. And if you don't know what that means, they're getting ready to put a link up on the screen right now and show you how you can be a part of our e-membership so that you can get all of the updates and all of the things that we have. Also, make sure you subscribe for our YouTube page because that's where all of this stuff lives and that's where you can find more and more and more of these teachings that will help you navigate life. So let's talk about it, all right? Let's talk about it. Here are the two things that I want you to understand. You're not perfect and God loves you. You got those two things. But here's the other thing you need to know. The devil is after you, which is why I want to talk over the next few moments on this subject matter, the antidote to chaos. How many of you all feel like everything in your life is topsy-turvy? And if it ain't one thing, you got it. It's another frustration on top of frustration, pain on top of pain. And I want to help you to put some order to the chaos that all of us really endure in life. I mean, you're not exempt. I mean, listen. I'm in the, in the studio right now uh, with several of our workers, and they're on cameras, and, and they're doing levels, and, and they have to uh, make sure that your experience uh, is good for this live broadcast, but they have to sit behind the camera, and they're taking notes because why? When they get done doing the work, they've got to go back to their chaos. So I want you and I to really look at this and deep dive, dive, dig, Real deep into this and see what we have. I'm going to give you four things. I think I've got four. I've got four things that I want to help you with today uh, that will help you to deal with the chaos. So we're going to talk about the antidote to chaos. Are you ready? You ready? Let me know. Just put I'm ready in the chat. And I'm looking to see if I can. All right. I'm seeing you're ready. All right. I can see it. They let me know all of these things. I can actually see you. So don't think you're anonymous. I see you. All right. You ready? Number one, are you ready? I'm telling you because it's, 
I'm almost scared to give it to you. How many of you all have said this? I know I have. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. I've even preached sermons about the pursuit of happiness. About how we can create this drama-free life where you can enjoy the benefits and the fruits of the kingdom. Just to be joyful, to be happy, to be expressively happy. Not just idealistically happy, but the joy of the Lord actually being your strength. I've said that. And then the Lord arrested my attention as I was studying for you yesterday. And he told me to tell the people, Keon, happiness is one of the things that I want them to achieve. But I want you to take this group a little bit further and tell them in this season, order, not just happiness. I am here to rock your world early and to rock your boat and let you know that the happiness in your life will not come until you find order for your life. So in this next season, if you want to achieve happiness, you have to go after order. You have to go after order. In, in, in the judicial system, whenever things are topsy-turvy, what does the judge do? He takes a gavel and says what? Order in the court. Because justice can't be rendered in the absence of order. Your life, your house, your job, your career, your mindset, none of that can achieve the benefits and the fruits of the spirit without you first acclimating to some sort of order. Let's dig deeper. Because we have as a nation, as a people, as a race, as a culture, whatever race and culture you're in, we have become obsessed with achieving a constant state of happiness that eventually <laughs> leads to our sadness. I want to be happy. I want to be happy. I want to be happy. I want everybody to be happy. Happy, happy, happy. And the pursuit of that is actually what frustrates us and leads us to dissatisfaction. What you really need in life is not happiness. What you really need is order. Everybody just type order. You need order. I'm going to define order. Order is defined as the arrangement of people or things in relation to each other according to a sequence, a pattern, or a method. You would be surprised how much happier you would be if you would implement order in your routine. You'd be surprised, listen, how much more you would enjoy your children if you put order around them. You can't let a child go to bed when they want to, do what they feel like doing, eat what they feel like eating, send them to school and you wonder why the principal is calling you about their behavior is because there's no order. Chances are if you put them to bed at eight o'clock, make sure they eat a meal that satisfies the body, 
Make sure that they're not watching any and everything they want on television. Make sure that they don't have a cell phone that they have access to all day long. Chances are they will go to school and perform better. Chances are the principal won't call you. And chances are you'll be happier with your child. All because of order. We try to substitute discipline for order. And where there is no order, there is too much of a dose of discipline. But if you would just put order, go to bed at a certain time. I want to even talk about your relationships. If you will put order around how you communicate, we cannot cuss each other out. We cannot hit below the belt. We cannot say certain things. Just put order. You'd be surprised how much you would enjoy your spouse if you would put order. You'd be surprised how frustrated you would not be when you get to work on time if you didn't leave late have to get behind somebody who's not in a hurry because they've got order. You're fussing at the person in front of you who's going to speed limit, talking about, uh, uh, hurry up. No, they've got order. They have time to get to work. You are frustrated in traffic, about to pull your hair out, about to have an accident because you have no order. You woke up late. You didn't prepare your clothes the day before. You had a 20-minute drive and left 10 minutes before. No order, which means no discipline, which leads to chaos which leads to no happiness. Order. I'm just simply talking about order. We're going after happiness, but we don't recognize that we could be happy in so many different areas if we just had order. If you just don't let your car get to the point where the gas light comes on, then you won't be late trying to get gas before an appointment you had to show up to if you paid attention to the gas meter when it was at a quarter tank and just went early. You know, it, side note, joking, you do know you can go to the gas station before your gas tank gets empty. You, you do know it's okay to go when it's at half. In fact, if you go when it's at half, you won't be there as long. You see, order. Order. Meal preps. That, that's how you're going to really be effective at that diet because if you eat how you want to, and expect that you're still on a diet. It's not going to work because there is no order. Everybody just type order. I, I'm not fussing. I am actually pushing. You, you feel that pressure in your back? That's me pushing you. Trying to show you how you're going to achieve what you've been praying for. Most people are unhappy. They're, let me say it this way. Let me say Most people are not unhappy. It's not that you're unhappy. It is that you are actually drowning in the chaos of your life. Mm. You are actually drowning in the chaos of your own life. Relationships thrive. When beliefs match. Order. Instead of asking your husband, what do you want to eat today? How about you ask him, what do you believe? You'd be surprised how many things you argue about with somebody that you don't recognize. It's a part of their belief system. And when something is a part of somebody's belief system, you can fight all day. Won't change a thing. Because if I believe something and you come up against, have you ever had to 
argue with somebody about their belief in God, that's a fight. You're talking about a fight. I, I got a guy on our staff right now. His name is Ricky. Let me tell you about Ricky. Ricky and I have a thing that we do. Ricky has his favorite player. I have my favorite player. And anytime anybody says anything bad about my favorite player, he sends it to me. But you know what I do. I'm petty. Anytime somebody says something bad about his favorite player, not only do I send it to him, I go looking for stuff. He don't go looking for stuff. He ain't as bad as me. I Google stuff to send to Ricky because we got this thing going back and forth. And guess what? Five years later, his favorite player is still his favorite player. And my favorite player is what? Still my favorite player. Why? Because we believe in those two guys. Everybody else outside of those guys, we can switch the order. Eh, he can be two. He can be three. He can be four. He can be five. But not where we believe. Does, does that make sense to you? So instead of saying, honey, what would you like to eat today? How about you say, let's talk about our beliefs. You'd be surprised how much order would be brought to your chaos if your beliefs. How can two walk together unless they agree? Agreement takes away chaos. Write this scripture down. Psalms 37 and 4. I'm going to read the scripture and I want you to tell me what you think the most important word is in the scripture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Matter of fact, I can't really wait on your feedback. I'm going to ask those in the room. Guys, those of you all who are filming, those of you guys who are on sound, if I say take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, what's the most important word in there? Delight. delight delight did you write delight i thought so i wish i could show you my notes i wish i could take that camera and turn it around here to let you know that i have a different word highlighted because we are in pursuit of happiness the word delight sticks out to us but the word that brings order to the chaos is take you have to Take delight in the Lord. You have to take order. You, you have to take happiness. You have to take calamity. You, you have to take it. It's not going to come. You have to take. Delight is there, but not if you don't. This Bible has everything in it that I need, but it will do nothing for me if I don't take it and open it and read it. As long as it sits here and I'm expecting it to give me delight, it will do nothing for me because I haven't taken it, taken hold of it. The most important word in that text is take. You have to take delight. You have to cause order. You have to, you have to design order. You have to, you have to structure order. This is the antidote to chaos. So order not happiness. The second antidote to chaos, listen, is to have posture and stop posturing. Let's talk about posture versus posturing. Um, I'm allergic to seafood, so I can't eat it, but I, I've seen this. Uh, when I grew up, if your parents could take you to this restaurant, <laughs> you, 
you you were actually you were actually doing something because when I grew up, everybody mama took them to McDonald's, um, Taco Bell, Burger King, different places like that. But let me tell you, when it was time to have a night out and the family could go, went to a restaurant called Red Lobster. And let me tell you, Red Lobster's biscuits are sent from God. I think that's the manna that actually fell from the sky in the wilderness. And the children, that's why they were so mad at, at, at Moses and said, where's the manna? It was Red Lobster biscuits. <laughs> Those biscuits are fire. I don't care what y'all say. But let me tell you something. If you've ever gone to a seafood restaurant and Red Lobster had this tank with water in it and the lobster were in it you could actually get one of the workers to put on a glove dig down in there and pick the lobster out that you picked if you study this you will find out that lobsters have a hormone inside of them called serotonin and the more serotonin a lobster has inside of them listen the more upright they walk so have you ever seen a lobster that walks with their, uh, and I don't know the correct terminology, I'm just going to say their claws are on the ground, but every once in a while you see one of those big lobsters and they walk and their, 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 their hands are lifted, their claws are lifted, and, and they're up here. Scientists say whenever you see a lobster with their arms up, it's because they have more serotonin in them than lobsters who walk with their arms low to the ground and if uh, for for a, a lack of better term the alpha lobster or the the one that's higher in the hierarchy walks with his hands up because he has the most serotonin inside of him and the low-ranking lobsters lack serotonin which is this hormone uh, that's responsible at least in lobster for posture don't miss this because the, the lobsters with the highest level of serotonin, they walk upright. They walk upright. In other words, lobsters are conscious of their posture. Hear me. Lobsters are conscious of their posture. Stop. Freeze. Don't move. What's your posture right now? Here's some of y'all. Maybe just how many of you all are right now upright, paying attention to me, shoulders up and broad? How many of you sit like this, walk like this, in the spirit, you're like this, in your emotions, you're like this, in your self-worth, you are like this, your posture is off. But the problem is, is we know how to fake. So when people come around, we change the way we talk. We change the way we look. But here's the problem. That's not your posture. You're posturing. Ah, let's talk about it. Because posturing is behavior that is intended to impress. But posture is the way you carry yourself. I feel like I could just preach right there. I just hit some of y'all over the head with a sack of potatoes. Because what you do, and this is the truth, what you're really doing 
is you're pretending to be happy. You're pretending to be confident. You're posturing because you want to impress people. But the problem is the glory isn't attracted to posturing. The glory is attracted to posture. Lift up your head. Lift your hands, O ye people. 1 Timothy 2 and 8 says, I desire then that in every place that men should pray, here it is, lifting holy hands. 2 Timothy 2 and 15, do your best, here it is, posture, to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who can rightly divide the word of truth. I want you to work on your posture. I want you to work on having your head lifted even when the circumstance is sinking. Not posturing, not moping and walking around sad, but then you get around somebody. This is the day that the Lord has made and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. And I'm blessed and highly favored and the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And he's the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Forget all of that. You can quote all the scriptures in the world, but what's your posture? Do you believe? That God can do anything. And will you bless him at all times? And will his, will his praises continuously be in your... Because even your tongue has to have a posture. No more posturing. No more putting on. No more faking. I want you to have real order. Which will give you real posture. And not posturing. That you will actually... Be excited to be alive. That you will actually be excited to be used by God. That you will hear this message from me and you will be taking notes, not feeling like it's something that you can't do. And I'm, I'm speaking and preaching to everybody else, but really applying this word and say, this is my word. This is my season. This is my time. He's talking to me and I'm going to get off of this. Take action and take action. Number three, you ready? Choose people who care about you and don't compare yourself to others. Lord, let me, let me take me some notes because y'all ain't taking good notes. Let me get me some notes. Let me put that in here. I just took me some notes. Thank you. Took me some notes. Just took me some notes because I don't care who you are. You've looked at what somebody else has done and try to compare yourself. That, that's just that's the bottom line. Bottom line, you, you looked at somebody. And I know, I know everybody. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm me, dog. I got me. I do me. No, ma'am. No, sir. My brother, my sister. Stop posturing. You've compared yourself to other people. Facts on facts. You've compared your circumstance to somebody else. Why this for me and why that for me? Stop. Stop. Choose people who care about you. They won't let you compare yourself to them. Let me give you a story. Ooh, I hope this helped you. I feel like I, I got to get out of this seat, man. So, I feel like I'm talking to... Uh, somebody, your name is John John Terrius, wh whoever that is. I just heard that name in the spirit. Um, 
I just heard Dexter. Um, and I, I keep hearing a name. It's P-O-R. Uh, and I can't I can't pronounce it. It's like Pretorius or something like that. That's the name that I that I keep seeing in my head. Um, one day I sat down with my bishop. Um, and I went to his house and I was sitting down with him. And he had a business call. And they started calling him, talking about, I mean, the man does extraordinary exploits. And he was, at that time, he was shooting a movie. I think it was called A Dog's Way Home or something like that. And, man, the business meeting was so crazy. Like, Pepsi was in the meeting. And this person was in the meeting. That person in the meeting. And I was sitting in the corner. At this time, our church was only, like, three years old. Um, the only connection I had to Pepsi was the can that was in my refrigerator that I had bought from HEB which is a local grocery store here in Houston. Pepsi wasn't trying to meet me. They weren't trying to talk to me. The only thing I was was a consumer, but yet they were talking about sponsoring an entire conference. AT&T was there. It was crazy. The president of AT&T was there. And I got to compare myself to him. Started talking about, man, we don't have this and we don't have that. Y'all know how everybody, everybody ain't able. <laughs> Y'all know how people say, everybody ain't able. Everybody can't pay their bills. Everybody can't do that. I was doing all of that. The man looked at me and said, I think at that time he said, you are 28. I I'm 50 plus. He said, son, learn to enjoy the distance. It blessed me. Because if you catch up with the person who is leading you, then where will you go next? You need so much distance in between you and the person you follow that they can tell you where the traps and landmines are before you arrive at your next destination. If you get around somebody who loves you, they won't let you compare yourself to them. They will help you to be sober-minded and let you know that it's okay that you are not where I am because we are in two different chapters. Don't compare yourself to anybody and get around people who actually love you. Psychologists have concluded that whatever irritates you about another person, it actually proves that you despise the same thing about yourself. So what we do is we hide it in comparison so that way we can outsource the pain. But the truth is, the things that you wish everybody would change is actually the thing that you need to change about you. Stop comparing yourself to other people. We are who we are. We are what God created us to be. And it requires strength, listen, to surround yourself with people who want the best for you. Why? Because anybody who wants the best for you won't allow you to continue to operate when you're not doing your best. That's why the Bible says we have many 
teachers but few fathers. Why? Everybody doesn't want a father because a father has to tell you when, where, how, and why. And you won't always like what he says. You won't always like what she says. You won't always want to hear what the pastor says. You don't always want to hear what I have to say. You won't always adhere to the mentor. You won't always adhere to the leader. But the reason why you need a leader is you need somebody in your life who you feel comfortable with not comparing yourself to. So that God can use their life as an example to get you where you need to be. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12. I'm going to give you scripture. Don't dare classify or compare yourself with someone else who thinks they are important. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Comparison is an unwise exercise. Just type, I'm going to do me. Last antidote to chaos. Preserve your strength. Can I tell you a story as I finish? If you're not driving, just close your eyes. If you are driving, just center your spirit. Imagine Jesus Christ is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Judas is bringing a band of men who are getting ready to crucify him. Jesus looks at Judas and says, my dear friend, whatever you came to do, do it quickly. The savior of the universe subjects, uh, subjects himself to arrest. The man who has the world in his hand is now allowing mere mortals to take him away. And he says on one occasion, you really don't want me to use my power because if I call my daddy, he will give me 12 legions of angels. A legion is 6,000 angels. He will give me 72,000 angels just for this particular matter. And don't forget, one can chase 1,000, two can chase 10,000. Jesus allows them to arrest him. They take him to a, a, a council, the Sanhedrin council, and they begin, I want you to keep your eyes closed if you're driving, center your spirit, and they have him in this trial. And, and, and the innocent is being ostracized by the guilty. And he never says a mumbling word. They take him to the foot of Golgotha's hill. They, they, they beat him with whips. They pull hair from his face. They, uh, they, 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 they stick him in the side. They, they, they spit on him. They use all kind of profanity. They even wrote on a sheet of paper, if you will, or ins inscribed in stone and nailed it to the cross. He ain't who he said he is. He said he's the king of the Jews, but he really ain't. Because if he was, he would get down off of this cross. If you are who you say you are, get off this cross. Not only save yourself, but save them too. And Jesus says no. Notice that a bleeding Jesus who has a cross. 
How can he have a problem carrying a cross and he can carry the world? He, Jesus himself, has to have the help of Simon of Cyrene to help him. Must Jesus bear the cross alone? And all the world go free. The Savior of the universe needs help from a man to carry a cross. Notice Jesus does not enact one ounce of power until it was time for the resurrection. Can I tell you something? The issue with the chaos in your life is you use your power too quickly. <laughs> Jesus could have stopped it in Gethsemane. He didn't do it. He could have stopped it at Calvary. He didn't do it. He could have stopped it on the cross. He didn't do it. He could have stopped it at any time. He didn't do it. But he waited until it was the resurrection time to call on the power of both heaven and in earth. To get out of the grave. Stop reacting before the resurrection. Stop making everything an emergency. Stop thinking that every pain deserves all of your attention. Some stuff you just got to suffer through and preserve your strength until it's time to be resurrected. And when it is resurrection season... I want you to use every connection, every, every book, every power, every note. Use it all when it's time to get up. But don't use an ounce of your energy on things that are not invested in your resurrection. The way you bring order to chaos is to preserve your strength for when it matters. Because if you keep reacting to everything, you will be too tired to get up on Sunday morning. And that, my friends, is how you bring order to chaos. Tell me what you think about today's message. This one, you're going to have to go back, watch, rewatch, and then watch again. Share it with somebody who you know has a lot of chaos in their life. But you want to send this to them and say, you know what? I just found the antidote to chaos. Subscribe to the YouTube page. Send it to them. Tell them to subscribe so that they can watch it so that we can all get order in our lives. Listen, I want to give you an opportunity to give. Give and it shall be given. Look at how order comes to chaos. I'm broke. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And running over shall men give unto your bosom. You have to have order for your money. Some of our money is so chaotic. Let me tell you, money that is spent is chaotic. Money that is given has a structure. I've spent money on this shirt, but if I'm not careful, the strings could come loose. I could gain weight. It won't fit. But if I give this money, the boundaries are not confined by materialistic things. I open up the heavens and I can receive a blessing I don't have room enough to receive. They're going to put instructions up on the screen right now. Giving is a way to bring order to the chaos of your money. I speak in the name of Jesus. That money is about to find you and you're going to know what to do with it. And God's going to give you opportunities and ideas to expand your wealth. I love you. I appreciate you. This has been another episode of Take Action. God bless you. I'll see you next week.